Thank you for joining me on another episode of the I Rather Be in Paris podcast. This is a, uh, a special series uh, called Three Expats, Three Perspectives, where I'll be interviewing uh, three female expats uh, currently living in Paris and discussing their perspectives. The idea is to take a more intimate look, a little bit more honest, a little bit more unvarnished look at the reality of living in Paris. As much as we we want to live out the fantasy uh, of, of living in Paris as an expat, particularly for us Americans, it's important to get an unvarnished look. And I hope that these series of episodes will help um, enlighten, but also um, give you a clearer um, idea of the realities that are facing expats on the ground in Paris and obviously in greater France today. Enjoy. I want to welcome Sutanya Dakers from the Dinner for One podcast to my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, thanks for allowing me to turn the tables on you today. Um, um, thanks for inviting me on. It's a pleasure. My pleasure. Um, I I wanted to bring you on because, again, this is part of a series um, examining the perspectives of three female expats. And then, you know, I've been following you in the podcast for quite a while, but um, in particular for you as a woman of color, mm-hmm. I was really interested in getting your perspective uh, now that you've been there for several years. Um, what have your particular experiences have been? in terms of adjusting to life in France. Um, what what brought you to, to France in the first place? Um, as you mentioned, well, sort of touched on a little bit with my podcast, the name of my podcast. It's called Dinner for One. Um, and it's an audio exploration of what happens when the Paris fantasy ends and real life begins. My Paris fantasy started because I was married to a French man that I met in New York, where I'm from, um, New York City. And, you know, we fell in love, got married, the whole kit and caboodle. And then um, I moved to Paris. And unfortunately, the marriage didn't last, which which happens. It's life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I decided to stay to see, you know, my initial thoughts were, I'm not going to immediately run home after um, the breakup. Um, I'm going to see if maybe I can live here for a year. Of course, I'd visit my family, but not move back. Stay here for a year, see how I liked it. And then a year turned into two years, turned into three years, and here we are. <laughs> now, you just celebrated, uh, what, five, I think? Six and a half. Six so and a half. I was, um, I've been here on my own for three years now. Wow. Three and a half were with him and three by myself, so, yeah. That's fantastic. And but, you know, I think, you know, before jumping on the mic here, we, you know, you and I were talking and kind of realizing we had certain commonalities, obviously, being from from New York and you went to a Bronx. Yeah, you went to a Bronx (laughs) high school. I went to a Bronx high school. Um, So it's 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 funny that um, highly likely I still think we crossed paths in some way, shape or form. But but I have to say that, you know, as a native New Yorker listening to the podcast, there's kind of there's a New York perspective on life that's yeah, very unique sure. and distinct, not necessarily East Coast. I say, you know, because there's a yeah. difference between like Boston and yeah, New York yeah, and the perspectives sure. on how they view life. Um, sure. But I have to commend you on the podcast. And I, and I think certainly um, for anyone that's interested in, in living in France like I am, anyone who's interested in just um, kind of what the experience is, you, what 
I love about your podcast is that you're so intimate and 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 raw and honest with yourself about what your personal experience is. Um, I tend to think as as much as I enjoy it when you bring on guests, mm-hmm. um, and the concept is so awesome because you're literally cooking yeah. as you conduct the podcast. I'm drinking as I am now with a cliche. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a cliche. You're let's you're French basically. So come on. Um, but I think those moments when you're cooking and just you're talking into the mic and just discussing what you're feeling and what you're going through, those are your most intimate moments in my opinion, but also some of the best because they're honest. Um, but also it gives people like myself that have that aspiration to move um that dose of reality that we you know need i think that's almost like a part of the reason why i um i did it i started it so it was like so you know i broke up with my ex-husband and i was like doing all the bad things like going out too much not taking care of myself etc um which you know at the time was my way of coping and like Mm -hmm. kind of like taking care of myself which wasn't good um but there was also a side of me that was like the American in Paris blogs that I've read, Instagrams I've been looking at, I didn't see myself. I didn't see, you know, they were all like very wealthy, like white women that were here, that were here just like, you know, fucking, excuse my language, um, walking around eating croissants and macaroons every day. Yeah. It's just like, this is not life in Paris because I know so many people of color that live here, whether they are, I mean, the producer of my podcast, Lori Martinez, she's Colombian, she's from Queens, Mm -hmm. a good friend, I have another good friend who was actually also on the episode, um, Lenny, he's Haitian, he's from Brooklyn, like, there's so many people of color, so many people that are not wealthy living here, experiencing the city, this culture, loving it, and I didn't see that, and I also didn't see the story of what it's like you know, all the, again, all the, a lot of the women that talk about their experience in Paris that are married, they have the perfect life, the perfect husband, the perfect kids. But again, I know so many women that moved here for French men Mm -hmm. and got divorced and decided to stay and are living amazing lives. And no one was talking about that. I was like, what's talking about it? I'm going to talk about it. (laughs) Yeah. And, And yours is a real life perspective. And, and I, I agree with you, you know, part of the reason why I started my podcast is that there's so much information about moving to Paris and how to do it, but it's all kind of scattered to the four winds. And it's, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a damn research project it is. to kind of bring that all together. But in my perspective, you know, I'm married, I have a, a teenager. I can't just up and go. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it takes, yeah. You know, and I'm, you know, I'm creeping on 50. So <laughs> if I was 20, I'd be, be willing different. to do, yeah. I'd be willing to do a certain things that I'm yeah. just not willing to deal with at 50. Yeah. So, you know, um, I also didn't see myself, um, portrayed in any way, shape or form, um, you know, in the blogosphere. So definitely finding you was kind of like, uh, uh, a ray of sunshine for sure. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. So, um, the podcast has been around for how long now? It's been, Since we launched it. I launched it, uh, February, 2008. The idea came to me, I want to say like, maybe like really at the end of like my year long bender since 17. <laughs> <laughs> they like shit together um, enough to start it February, to launch in February 2008. So it's been a, yeah, a little over a year and it's been like the best thing to ever happen to me. 
on a um, personal level, I mean, I fund it myself. There are no, there's no huge podcast studio behind this. There is, there are no like sponsors behind this. This is me paying for everything and doing everything. And yeah, it's been one of the most fulfilling things I've done in a long time. It's really helped me a lot. Just being able to, like you say, like express myself, even people that don't live in Paris, just kind of like connecting with me and understanding what I'm going through. Like who hasn't been single in their lives and trying to like figure it out. You know what I mean? Um, well, you, you and you touch upon things that, if I may be a little bit more personal, when you, you in this, what I really appreciated was you discussing kind of the person that you were in New York yeah, versus, versus the person that you are here. You know, for example, just feeling like you had to keep up yeah. in, you know, in New York in yeah. terms of like, how I a, look, a, a, yeah, how you look and all that stuff. But you know, honestly, I, I remember that particular episode when you were discussing, like, you know what, I'm here, you know, after that initial year of kind of uh, post, you know, divorce, embracing yourself as a woman and as and physically as the person that you are now and learning to love yourself. Um, yeah. That to me was really, honestly, I remember dr- driving home as I was listening to the podcast and I was just like, wow, she's not holding back. And that's something that I really appreciate it because we need to hear that, you know. And but that's that's the thing. I think Paris is one of those cities where um, it's a big city, of course. There's lots mm-hmm. to do. Unlike a New York, a London, um, maybe even a bit of Berlin, San Francisco, um, it gets quiet and it calms mm-hmm. down. And you cannot, you can only distract yourself up to a certain point. And then also, yeah. French people, in my opinion, are very kind of like they go out, they have fun, but you know. A lot of people are in, it's a lot of people are in couples. People are very family oriented, so like people spend a lot of time with their couples and families. Mm-hmm. So you're always not going to find someone to hang out with. Um, and Paris is the kind of city that forces you to be alone and to look at yourself and mm-hmm. to and to um, sit with yourself. And if I don't know, I feel like I'm gonna. This is controversial, but like I feel like if you look in the mirror, Paris gives you the opportunity to to discover who you really are in a very deep way because you'll never experience a kind of profound loneliness um, in any other city that you will in Paris, for sure. It'll just won't happen. Um, and I think that when you look in the mirror after being here for a while um, and you don't see what you like, it's not because of Paris and it's not because of French people, it's not because of anyone here, it's because of you like you don't like I don't know it's just it that's the one thing that Paris has given me that I'll forever be grateful for because if I whether or not I leave today I leave tomorrow or in five years it's given me this sense of self and the sense of confidence and this understanding of who I am and what I'm about that no other city will ever give to me well you know and I you know you you phrase it so eloquently but I think at the same time just kind of following you online Mm-hmm. Um, and you have this every once in a blue moon you'll put like these before and after shots mm-hmm. of like kind of like your pre-Paris mm-hmm. life and your current mm-hmm. life and to be totally honest there's there's a way that you carry yourself the way that you, you there's a comfort level that you exude now I think mm-hmm. um, just I mean even in the in the photos that I used to publicize this um, the ones that you took in the red dress yeah. There's an ease that you have with yourself yeah. um, that that just comes leaps off the page, which I think is is remarkable. But I, I get it because 
I think, you know, when we when my family and I first visited Paris, there was a point where I just kind of stopped and I said, what do I want to do with the rest of my life? Because mm-hmm. I know I want to do it there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was a very profound moment for me, but it was also very scary because yeah. I knew I was going to be in a position where I had to kind of make choices yeah. that were going to dis- that I think will will be good for me in the long run, but I knew, you know, I'm responsible for two other people yeah. that yeah. I may be dis- disrupting their life yeah. as a result of what I want. Yeah, and like you said, you're not 20 anymore. It's not like it's only you, and you're like, okay, well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, like, work in a bar and figure it out. And, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Exactly, yeah. No, I'm. Uh, but I also think that, you know, you have the benefit of being a little younger than me, a lot younger than me, let me be honest. Damn it. Oh. <laughs> and I don't have any kids as well. You know, my husband's gone. So that's, that problem's out the way. So. But, you know, you there is the, but I think, you know, you, you're working, you're living. And I think um, the benefit of, the other thing too, that I think we have to take into account is that as Americans in Paris, Oh yeah, you know, I mean, we're no, automatically I, foreign, and we have that. You know, we'll never be truly French. No, of course not. And there's also a privilege that comes with that, right? Because yeah. as you said before, um, before we started the episode, that Americans are kind of like French obsessed. I mean, the French are also American obsessed. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, I'm American. I'm from New York, the Bronx. I'm black. I'm Jamaican. It's like, wow, wow, wow. Yeah. Who is this person? <laughs> You know, with this fucking unicorn sitting in front of me right now, um, and I have short blonde hair. It's like, wow. <laughs> yeah, you know, honestly, like when you post photos of yourself without the blonde hair, I don't recognize yeah, you. Yeah, like it's, it's become such a. Like, it's it's, it's a, your trademark. It's so me. Yeah. Um, it, you know that privilege that I have as a educated Black American woman is not lost on me because. As I mentioned in previous episodes before, like if my name was like, you know, Fatima and I was from Senegal, my life in Paris would be completely different. Yes. I mean, I think the thing for me that is, um, so it's it's weird. It's so strange because Paris is such a diverse city, right? But the separation is so much more palpable than mm-hmm. in a New York. And uh, like, I go to so many restaurants and I'm like the only black person there. And I'm not in like, you know, the sixth or on these small, like in the fanciest place, even mm-hmm. somewhere in my neighborhood, which is not at all fancy. It's gotten to the point where not even my white friends, we go into some places, they're like, yeah, we know you're the only black person. I'm like, yeah, right. It's weird. Yeah. And I don't know, you know, I don't know why that is. I'm not going to sit here and pretend I'm like a expert in, you know, race relations in France or like the French history. But I think that the, my opinion as a foreigner is like the the history that France has as a colonial power. Um, they haven't dealt with it yet. They haven't kind of like admitted it, a terrible history. And as a result, they pretend that it doesn't exist. And because race is officially not a thing, like they don't take a census, they don't yeah. feel the race. Um, so for them, it's not a thing. Everyone's just French, but that's not actually the case because you can see that people of color, they're kind of like on the margins of society. They're not integrated, integrated, so to speak, in a way that um, whether you are, like for me, for example, I am, I was born in Jamaica, I moved to New York when I was four years old. Um, so technically I'm not American, but because I was raised there because I have an American passport, I'm American and no one can tell me otherwise. Mm-hmm. I know 
French people of Senegalese descent from Côte d'Ivoire, from Algeria, that were born and raised here, they don't feel French. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So like exactly I that I me coming me coming here speaking English, the fact that I was married to a Frenchman, a white Frenchman, the fact that I am educated, the fact that I've had certain experiences, that privilege like puts me in a completely different place, so to speak, than a black person from France. And also because I am black, but I am not from France and I left my baggage in the U S the cultural stuff that's going on here. I can almost like, unfortunately live above it, not above it, but like it doesn't affect me because it's not culture. It's not my country. Exactly. And I think as a result, it has, that's one of the reasons why I was able to start this podcast. It's one of the reasons why I live my life the way I do, because it's freeing. And I can understand why, you know, like a Josephine Baker, James Baldwin, Nancy Holloway. I mean, I'm not comparing myself to these people at all, but just like I can understand why they left the U.S. and moved here because you're, as a Black American, your Blackness wasn't the major thing. Yes. That said, yeah. I do, that said, I have experienced discrimination. Um and I have experienced like yeah, just yesterday discrimination, but um not not regularly, you know, because like I said, because I'm so I'm so quite removed. Like I don't know how different that would be, you know, if I'm lucky enough one day to have children here. Um, I don't know what that would look like if I have kids and what my kids would deal with if they're whether they are a hundred percent black, like I, you know, meet and marry a remarry, um a black French guy or I marry a white French guy or an Asian French guy, who knows? Mm-hmm. I don't know what their experience would be like, but I know mine um, so far, like it's, it's more of like, it's not, it has, it's the discrimination that I've seen here. It's happened to me a few times, not many times, but it's more just more like about my observations and seeing the world around me mm-hmm. and seeing that, Black people aren't necessarily a part of it here, unfortunately. Well, I think it's that has a lot to do with the dynamic of... Well, I mean, the thing is, like, when I speak to my African-American friends, the, mm-hmm. the thing here is that, you know, and as a, you know, as a Dominican-American, yeah, yeah. if I look at my genetic makeup, my genetic yeah. makeup is yeah. directly speaks to the historical, um, yeah. you know, the, the conquest. You know, yeah. I'm I'm predominantly Spanish, with surprisingly Portuguese, yeah. and then down the line, it's 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 basically African origin, but yeah. from the port cities that yeah. supplied so much of the yeah. of the slaves. But those people that came over on the slave ships, at some point, their history was disconnected from them, and they had no choice but to be here. Whereas in France, yeah. they came, yeah, you know. They came and they settled to a certain extent, or they were, you know, part of a a a former colony. But then you have to ask yourself, why do these people that are from these, when you look at, you know, like Senegal, Côte d'Ivoire, Mali, these countries of 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 like sophisticated, great civilization, Mm -hmm. amazing natural resources, why are they coming here? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, they were coming here because this is quote unquote, the mother country. This is the country that they, that, you know, many of their grandfathers, their fathers fought for in wars and and be treated as second class citizen. It's quite sad, but um, that's, I'm not, I guess I'm not going to speak to like French black perspective because I don't know 
like, and I'm living a completely different experience. But um, well, we have the benefit of being able to go there and see, yeah. and you live there, and you can yeah. see things from a slightly okay. different perspective. Yeah, which I think, hopefully, and you sure. know, and honestly, a lot of people are seeing that now and yeah. talking about it and writing about it, even even native French people. Yeah, yeah they are, which is and great. And French people of color yeah. that that yeah. are are calling the status quo to task, yeah. which is, I think is phenomenal. So do I. I agree. Um, but yeah, I mean, other than that, I mean, I I live in this world as a black woman. I'm something that's not something I would ever want to deny. I think it's one of the most beautiful things in the world. I think it's a privilege um, to walk among walk amongst um, these people in this earth with this beautiful brown skin <laughs> um, and this amazing style and sense of self and confidence. Um, so um, I don't know. It's um, being a black a woman of color in Paris. It's just it's not something I really think about because it's just who I am, and I'm proud of it, and I love it. And I'm just like, you know, if anyone's able to, I feel like the, the people, the, your, your listeners are going to be like, who the fuck is this woman? No, but if anyone <laughs> is like able to, to be, if I'm able to like share myself, my life, my my story with someone and they appreciate that and they share theirs and we get along, like, I mean, I just, I don't know. I don't really, I don't know. I don't really think about it. I'm just who I am, you know, and you got to accept me. And if you don't, then that's your problem, not oh, mine. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but that's that. That's what I think. What I really, um, really enjoy about your perspective on the podcast is that, you know, you embrace everything about you. You understand yeah. what you can't escape. You can't escape being a black woman. You can't yeah. escape being American. Yeah. Um, and that is part of what makes this journey for you in Paris so unique and interesting. And you know, frankly, for us, I think it's eye-opening because. For me, I sit down, I'm like, well, what am I going to be experiencing some of this? Because, yes, I'm American, but I'm not your prototypical. I yeah. Honestly, walk, when I walk in Paris and I talk to people, they think I'm everything but American. Yeah. I get a lot of Middle Eastern. Mm, yeah, uh, I can see that, like Lebanese, Algerian, yeah. Moroccan. Oh, yeah. yeah, and I mean, nothing is bizarre. Like last year, nothing so bizarre as walking into a pizzeria, ordering a slice of pizza in French. And the guy behind the counter thinks I'm Lebanese. So he speaks to me directly. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm looking at him like, nah, bro. And he's like, where are you from? And and I told him, oh, my family's from Dominican Republic. And he was like, really? So I start talking (laughs) to him about the Lebanese presence in the Dominican Republic. And how my family got to New York. This is a tangible. Lebanese people, they're everywhere. We have a huge Lebanese population in Jamaica as well. But I grew up up eating eating, uh, kibbeh. Yeah, it's like, where are they now? We call it Kipe. And he was like, what? And I'm like, yeah, I grew up with that stuff. He, and it was just, that's, but that's the beauty of it, that I could walk into a pizzeria. Yeah, yeah. And is being made by a Lebanese guy. And we have this whole historical yeah. talk about, you know, his people in the Caribbean. It's bizarre, but that's what's beautiful about the migration to places like, like Paris. The I fact agree. that people continue to come and want to live there. Um you know, here, I mean, given all the drama that's going on here in the States, you know, I'll be honest, there are times where I don't feel as welcome here mm. as I have. Mm. Um, you know, and, and given that I live now in D.C., I'm literally, I can look out my window right mm. now and see the Washington Monument, oh, wow. um, you know, a, a mile away from me. Mm. And, you know, it's funny, like, it took me moving to Washington mm. um, and... 
you know, unfortunately, just I've gone through some experiences of discrimination and, and being made to feel other. Mm. But it's interesting. I'm a born and bred New Yorker, American citizen, but I had to move to D.C. Yeah, to, to, call, yeah. to be called an illegal to my face yeah. while sitting on a bench That's in the park, in Lafayette Park across from the White House. I could never. I couldn't even imagine that. It, it, that I had that happened to me maybe uh, a few years ago, but it was it, it dawned on me just how the dichotomy mm. of how all of us can grow up and the lack of perspective. Mm. And I think, you know, for me, um, what I realized in traveling, but particularly to France, is that I can be happy anywhere mm. so long as I'm willing to adjust to mm. the. Yeah, that's the, true. The, there's just so much the French culture is going to adapt to you. You have to really adapt. Yeah. And yeah, and I mean the French culture is not going to adapt that much. I'll tell you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's not going to they, adapt. It's not going to yeah. adapt at all. Actually. Um, it's I mean, just, look at look at the outcry that they have over the burgers on the menu. Yeah. Exactly. Like we write a lot about burgers and how they shouldn't be here. <laughs> it's not going to adapt at all. It's about you adapting. Um, yeah, like adapting yourself, and also like as a as a foreigner, I think it's important to have your circle like. And I think I mentioned this when um, Lindsay Tremuto was on mm-hmm. the show about like having when France and French people in Paris are becoming too much, like having my American friends and like even not just American friends, my foreign friends, we all like couldn't get together and have like a band socks kind of like um, sometimes you, know, you need to vent yeah yeah because, because you know like the French the French are the French right and Paris is Paris and like Paris is like listen I've been here for like thousands and thousands of years this is how I am I change when I want to change I change how I want to change if you don't like it you can get the hell out because yeah. I was here before you I'll be there. while you're here and I will definitely be here after your your yeah. your fucking corny ass leaves <laughs> so, <laughs> so figure out what you're gonna do yeah, uh, Paris and France will be eternal, but that, exactly. but you know we have to adapt to it to a certain yeah, extent. And, yeah. Whether it's like speaking the language, making French friends, just kind of like, you know, I have a I have an episode coming up. Um, my the second episode of third episode of season three is um about like becoming French and the way I have mm-hmm. become French in my own way. Um, I'm not a French citizen yet, so you know, not in that way, but like the way I've kind of like created my own French life here. And I think that's what you need to do. You need to, you don't, you can't come here expecting the French to be as sufficient as Americans, which mm-hmm. is bane of my existence. I, it takes forever to get anything done. I can't expect French people to think the way we do or expect things the way we, we expect them to be because it's a completely different culture and they have their different reasons. You just have to like figure out how you can like, you know, lean and rock with it. And they, and they own who they are. Yeah. You know, they, they, they always, they're so unapologetic. They're like, you know, you ask a French person, like, why is he like this? They're like, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. That's, <laughs> like, okay. that, that's an answer to everything, man. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I come from a Caribbean people, so I kind of get it. Because when I go exactly. back to visit family, it's kind of a similar vibe. Like, yeah. they're not in a rush to do things. Yeah. So, but it'll happen eventually. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, so I wanted to, be, be, before I let you go, um, what I wanted to discuss a little bit, like from a professional standpoint, in terms of like your work life, did you find it challenging to um, get um, employment? You know, what was the 
Um, do you have con command of the French language um, in the workplace? If not, how did you get around that? I, uh, so working, I got really lucky. Um, I got my for very first job in Paris through a, a fellow American, and mm -hmm. I think that really helped me. Um, we both knew the same, the woman that made like my wedding cake, like, you know, with Small World, and I met up with her. And I, when I met with her, it wasn't even about getting a job. It was just, oh, you're American, we're for the same industry, you can tell me a little bit about it. Mm -hmm. When her job was opening and she liked me, and then, you know, one thing led to another. And that kind of was like the catalyst for the rest of it. Um, but it's very, like, it help, it's helpful to know someone. Mm -hmm. So I, I would recommend like maybe reaching out to a recruiter, you know, when you arrive, just kind of like reaching out to different people, meeting different Americans or foreigners in general that have been here for a while, kind of talking to them, see what they do. Um, and you never know what can come from that. Um, but yeah, I've been re I have had a completely like knock on wood, very, very lucky kind of trajectory in terms of work. Um, and in terms of the language, I studied French in um, mm -hmm. high school. Shout out to Aquinas. <laughs> yes, Aquinas uh, High School in the in the, in the South Bronx because that was our sister school because I went to Cardinal Hayes High School, so it, it's a small world that we we found this out like five minutes before we went on air. Uh, you know, and I say this all the time, like living here in D.C. twelve years, I can throw a rock and hit five New Yorkers. Oh yeah, um, I can I can hit just as many people from my old high school than your old high school. It's amazing. In all the time that I've been here, I was, but it's the same thing. I've run into people all over the world that come from where we come from. Yeah, that's the beautiful thing. I agree. Um, so you studied, yes, I, so you I studied, studied French. You studied French school. at Aquinas, and unlike yeah. myself, my two years in high school, my two years of high school French didn't stick. I'm sorry. Well, no, that, then, but then I, I, <laughs> I, I continued in university. Okay. Um, and it's I still and then when I moved here I still didn't know anything. Like I mean, <laughs> it wasn't until I, I living here and being around even like my very first jobs. I mean all my jobs. My colleagues they they may understand English, they may speak English, but when they're at work, when they're on French people, they speak French. Mm -hmm. So it was a lot of just like me kind of like being really immersed in it. Yeah. So being around French people who spoke French at the time, you know, I was married, so my husband, like my ex husband, um his his family like being even though they spoke English with me they would speak French with each other being around it watching French TV with French subtitles and just like really just like living it and also making the effort like I wanted to learn yeah you know I wanted to be able to talk to my mother in law my mother in law at the time like I wanted to I I, I think it's a shame to live in a country and not even understand what's going on around you you know yeah. my French I mean I can speak French now I'm not 100 percent comfortable but. You know, I, if you listen to the first episode of season three, I can speak French. I can get by. It's okay. Um, but, um, yeah, I think it's a shame if you at least cannot even understand. I definitely understood way faster and way better even mm -hmm. to this day than I can speak it. It's an ongoing kind of like learning process. But I'm here for the long run. So That's right. <laughs> but that's, it, it, my, my trip last year, I mean, we, I was able to stay for two weeks. So... Mm -hmm. And I was staying in the 17th, okay. so yeah. more of a working class neighborhood. So we, I was able to kind of just go to the local grocery yeah. store or go to the boulangerie. So, but it was amazing how much I was able to kind of pick up. But I yeah. think I agree with you totally. The immersion, yeah. I think it's vital. You need to kind of be open to being surrounded by people speaking the language and you'll pick sure. up on it. Yeah. And also being afraid, being not afraid, being not afraid to make mistakes. It's like, 
you know, I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to like mess up the genders because it doesn't make any sense to me because like, why is like this feminine and that masculine? Like, come on guys. See, that's uh, a little easier for me. Uh, yeah. Speak Spanish. Yeah. yeah. So it's easy for yeah. you, but as a native English speaker, I mean, not that you're native, but you know, as someone who only speaks English or like girl yeah. only speaks English, um, I'm just kind of like, this doesn't make sense. So like, they're definitely going to be things that I will always make. I was always like not understand and all the mistakes, but I just got to, you know, whatever. And the best thing, you know, if someone tries to like make fun of my <clears throat> French, then I switch to English. I'm like, all right, all right, Guillaume, we can do it this way. If you want to speak English, Jean Jean Pierre, you can do it. You can do it. It's fine. Oh man, uh, God, uh, you know what? You're you're awesome. You're awesome. Thank you. Uh, no, honestly, this is see the thing is I live in D.C. It's it's this is like a touch of home for me. So, because oh, yeah. even I'm, my wife and I talk about it all the time, even though we've been living in DC for a long time, there's certain things like when things get on our nerve, like the way we respond to something like, oh, you're from New York. And that's what I'm getting from you. And I'm like, this is what <laughs> I miss. My I mean, I'm from, from, yeah. from, from, the, from the Bronx, you know, from yeah. like Baychester, Riverdale, that area with all my Jamaicans, all my, all oh. my people. Like, no, honestly, like a good, a what I miss is a good pizza slice and a, mm-hmm. and a Jamaican beef patty, like an old school Tower Isles. Don't even get me started on a beef patty. <laughs> like I would literally <laughs> kill somebody for a beef patty. Whenever I really want, whenever I really want to be around Jamaicans or eat Jamaican food, I tend to head over to London. It's only a two-hour train ride, and there's so many Jamaicans in London. Yeah. No, honestly, like, um, so my family, since I've been going to Paris three years in a row at mm-hmm. this point, my family's like, well. Do they have any of our food? Is there any Dominican food? I'm like, no, I haven't seen any. I've seen some Argentinian food and I've seen... You never know. I know that there are quite a few Dominican um, hairdressers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's global. I used to have long hair. So I had long hair. Oh, for sure. Um, A good, good, you know, for those of you out out there in the world, a good Dominican hairdresser is like gold. Yeah. I have have a friend from, from my neck of the woods yeah. She lives with her family in Florida. Mm-hmm. She flew on JetBlue back to New York for the day you. to get her hair done. Yeah, I, I know. Um, yeah, that's the extent that people go to. Um, to no, and I pay, no, and I pay an exorbitant amount of money to get my hair cut by this really nice Peruvian gentleman because he knows how to how to do my hair. Yeah, not that it's complicated, but like you know. In my no, case, you if you only use the machine on my hair, it's not gonna, yeah. you need scissors on this. <laughs> no, but I say that because if there's so many, my, my, my thought process is if there's so many Dominican hairdressers, like maybe there's a Dominican restaurant here, like on the low, you know, like somewhere where you got to know somebody who knows somebody's going to take you to the spot. See, I think we, we're, I'm sensing a business opportunity. So, yeah, I think so too. Spot, I mean, we're going to have to find a spot and... If I knew how to cook Jamaican food the way like my mom or grandmother did, does, you have to bring in some old ladies. I know, I like old old ladies, yeah. not these, not these. And I'm not talking about anybody. They have to be north of sixty-five. Yeah, I agree. Get my grandmother in here. Yeah, they don't use any recipes, none of that stuff. Yeah, just like <laughs> no, no measuring anything, just like throwing stuff. Exactly. In the pot. They just know how to throw down. <laughs> That's the way. Uh, so Tanya, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for inviting. Um, I know. I, I appreciate you taking the time out because I know you're you're very busy um, and you have an active social life to, to attend to. Um, but I, uh, I really appreciate your time. 
Um, I'm glad we finally got to connect in person. Um, folks, please um, support this young lady. Uh, check out our podcast, Dinner for One, um, entering the third season. So yeah. it's not going to be too hard to catch up. But um, I think if you're interested in listening to someone's honest perspective on living in Paris, this is the podcast to listen to. So um hope to see you soon. Sutanya, have um, next a Next time you're in Paris, let me know. I can show you like apéro French style. Most definitely. I know you're an expert. <laughs> <laughs> I know there's a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> we'll make that happen. We know enough people. We'll make that happen. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Alrighty. Thank right. you. Have a good one, Juan. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the I'd Rather Be in Paris podcast. Before I go, just want to remind everyone to visit us online at I'dRatherBeInParis.com and to follow our profiles on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to keep the conversation going in between episodes. See you soon. Bye-bye.